Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, it's time for The Finish Line with Mike Melby on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Start your Good evening and welcome to The Finish Line. Right here on 93.7 The Ticket is... I would say that Doug's over here air drumming, but he drums for a living as well, so he doesn't really need to air drum. Uh, my name is Mike Belby. That is Rebecca Pearson. And our uh, our second co-host tonight is going to be Doug Lovegrove. Uh, he is a former Eagle Raceway track champion. He is a gentleman who drums for a band called Swap Meet Sally that plays just about every place here in Lincoln and has for many, many years. You own at least one business. Is it just one right now, or do you own a couple? No, it's uh, just Love Grove Homes. Is okay, so now you're just doing, doing the homes. Now. Okay. Yeah, when we sold the last grocery store, we kind of sold everything. Sold all the rentals, so got rid of everything. And Really? Okay. Decided just to make life simple for a little while. Not a bad idea. No. No, no. I know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, it has been uh, interesting. I know last Sunday on the show, uh, there was it, I, I was kind of excited. Rebecca's starting to figure sprint car racing out and how fun and, and <laughs> well, kind of cool it let is. Let me know how that works oh, yeah. when, you, when you get to it. <laughs> Got to put me in a car. <laughs> we're working on yep, that. Yep, we're working on that. So, uh, but just stoked about this week. And it's more, to me, it was more about the fact that and it took a guy that is his heart is in it and he has the money and the the wherewithal tony stewart to put the money up to say hey y'all this is pretty cool and we're going to pay somebody a million dollars to win a sprint car mm-hmm. race and then to talk about it it leads into the whole story of this week the drama that unfolded um literally it's announced 7 hours no 10 hours before uh they were going to start Motor heat on Wednesday. Anthony Macri's out of the 39M. Oh, by the way, his father owns the car. Uh, they had a difference of opinion the night before. Lance DeWeese agrees to jump in. But big bombshell. Uh, that happens right before Eldora Million opening night. And uh, DeWeese struggled for the million, did okay, made the show with the, the Kings Royal on Saturday night. Um, and then... Logan Schuhart wins a million two thousand twenty three dollars and then he can't put it in the show last night. Yeah. That's the parody. And for the first time in Brad Sweet's racing career with the World of Outlaws as a full time tour member, did not make any feature, couldn't make the the, the main at the Kings Royal at And they got the rain night. during the day and uh, yep. you knew it was gonna be a lot of follow the leader. Yeah, it truly was. It was all <laughs> luck on the way things drew and then that that invert just killed him. Mm-hmm. The wheel of misfortune. Yeah, that B feature was something unbelievable. Um, so Rebecca, you were able to make a, a pit stop out at Eagle last night. I was, and I think you were in the pits for the first time. How I was? was. It? Yeah, no, it was great. As uh, telling Doug that it uh, brings back all the wonderful memories of what it's like to be in the pits. Just the camaraderie, right? That's the thing that you notice the most. But I was able to go up and look at the cars up close since I haven't had a chance to do that. Talk to people. Uh, met an, uh, a young gal out there, 24 years old, running in modifieds that we'll probably try to bring on here. Uh, Absolutely. Brianna Fansteel. Yep. Shout out to you, number 33. Uh, yeah. And then hung out with Mike Boston, of course, in, in the pits and see what was going on. Not not a great night for them, unfortunately. We had a little fender bender going on there. But anyway, it was fun. Well, and I, I know, Doug, last night was not a night that you're going to write home about. No, we've had plenty of those this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What happened last night? In, in hot laps, I... You, uh, it was popping out of gear and then popping hammering back in 
in hot laps and so we uh pulled it in messed with it a little bit and i thought you know i'm gonna go out and just try and see if miraculously it fixes itself for the heat race and we took took the flag and into turn three at the worst possible place you know on entry it it loses power you know it, oh. it basically comes out of gear and you know tight and pushes out of the way i was glad i was on the outside and you know i didn't no one drove through me so we limped it to the trailer and now we're gonna tear it apart and start over and just watch the rest of the night. Yes. Yeah. Called it good. Oh, it makes me crazy. Um, I, Doug, I'm going to ask you, you've been following sprint car racing for a long time. Rebecca, I'm going to ask you the same question because of your relationship with Tony Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug, were you surprised that we are today saying King Donnie the 40th <laughs> for the sixth time in his career with the year he's had ever since 2018, 2019 on? It is just, the, and that's kind of when the Fords came on board with TSR. Uh, he has struggled at times, and then big races seem to bring out the best in that crew. Were you surprised that Donnie Schatz is uh, it was the winner of the Kings Royal? Yes, and the reason I say that is I think if that track would have had would have widened out, there would have been top and bottom. It'd been again, you know, typical Eldora against the wall and a lane around the bottom. I don't know if that would have been the finish. I think it was one nice lane, and he'll run the center whether the center is good or not, and yep. he can make it work. And that Ford makes a lot of power. Yep. And uh, off he went. I, from the start, you know, we were able to watch it because with the rain out there, and I wasn't apparently doing anything else. So we were sitting in the trailer watching, you know, watching the feature. And uh, and when when he when I saw that he was on the front and it was that it was still pretty pretty heavy. I'm like, well, you're gonna get to see the Ford run. Yeah, that you are. I want to talk a little bit more in depth about that, Rebecca. Any any yeah well, surprise about it? Because I know like, you. you Obviously, you know Tony very well and know his dedication to the sport, and oh, definitely. he always puts together the best teams. Sure. No, I, th- I thought it was great. It was fun. I was Since I was at Eagle last night, I was not watching it live, but I watched all the clips today. You know, a couple of nasty uh, wrecks there. Everybody walked away from that, which was great. But I was happy for Donnie, right? We had this conversation last week. Um, already, I, I say premature because I know t- uh, Tony's very committed, but I think it was great for Donnie. A win's a win, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you say, hey, you're in the right place, the right time, stuff's going your way. The next race, it's not in your favor, mm-hmm. right? So you Oops. take it even though, and I think he knows he, he had some things going in his favor. It, not a bad one to win when it pays 175 well, grand. I'd rather so. be lucky than good. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> we'll get into a little bit more of that. For- Next, I want to jump into Victory Lane. And a big shout-out to Mike Boston and Eagle Chassis for coming on board as the sponsor of the Victory Lane segment here on the finish line. If you own a sprint car, hey, Doug, do you want, you do. You own a I sprint do. car. Yes. I'm just saying, if you need some frame repair, Mike Boston's the guy oh, to call. Yeah. 402-826-0302. Uh, big thanks to Mike for sponsoring the Victory Lane segment. And again, a big thank you to Eagle Chassis and Mike Boston for sponsoring the Victory Lane segment. And NASCAR, speaking of, 
Yeah, they rained out. They're going to race tomorrow at New Hampshire. Uh, Xfinity, they did get the race in yesterday. John Hunter Nemechek gets his second win in a row. Uh, those two series will be at Pocono, along with the truck series next week for NASCAR. High Limit Series, dark, all-stars, dark. World of Outlaws, Kings Royal, Friday night, Carson Macedo dominated the night before the big one. And then last night, Donnie Schatz wins his sixth. Kings Royal takes home a $175,000 check. And he is now one win behind the King, Steve Kenzer, for most Kings Royal wins. Uh, that would be interesting. Do we have to? Because Steve's always going to be the King, but man, oh, if yeah. Donnie ever wins like an eighth, if he somehow puts it together, that could be interesting. Uh, World of Outlaw Sprints are at BAPS on the 21st, or no, on the 19th, they're at BAPS Motor Speedway and then Williams Grove next weekend, the 21st and 22nd. World of Outlaw Late Models on Friday night. Mike Marler goes from 22nd to 1st. Takes the lead with about five laps to go. Wins at Junction City at Ponderosa Speedway. Then Saturday night, it was postponed. Mother Nature has been winning a lot this year. It's just kind of, it just sucks. <laughs> World of Outlaw Late Models off next week. They will be at Fairbury Speedway in Illinois the 28th and 29th of July. Lucas Oil Late Models Tuesday. Jonathan Davenport wins at Davenport Speedway. Then Friday night at Tri-City was rained out. And at Lucas Oil Speedway at Wheatland, Missouri last night. Davenport takes two on the week, they will be at Husets Thursday, Friday, Saturday next weekend. Big late model show up at the Bullring in Sioux Falls, Knoxville last night. It was the 360 shootout. It doesn't happen often that the 360 show overshadows the 410 show at Knoxville, but last night it was a, a big one. And uh, the quickest chicken takes home the win. Chase Randall in the Bush's chicken number nine. He wins it locally. We had Joey Danley over there. He was 14th in the B. Stewie Snyder, 15th in the B. Uh, Ryan Roberts from Aurora was fifth in the B, didn't quite make the show. And then another local driver we saw kind of cut his teeth at Eagle. John Coblundi was the last car to not transfer out of the C, fifth in the C at the 360 shootout. Four tens did run last night at Knoxville. Austin McCarl picked up the win. They've got another weekly show next Saturday at Eagle last night. Tyler Drukey, uh, you got to watch it, unfortunately. You weren't involved. Yeah, but put on a clinic. He put on a show. He uh, runs second in the beat, starts 17th, and uh, winds up winning the Sprint Car A feature at Eagle Raceway last uh, night. On the last lap. Yeah. They did. Now, I didn't – obviously, I wasn't there. Walk me through that race because I, I read about it, but uh, you guys could give me a firsthand account. Uh, Gene was leading towards uh, the three-fourths of the way through. Gene got the lead, and he was strong on the bottom, and here come Tyler. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was watching uh, Trevor Grossenbacher, and he was he was he he looked like he was good, and he was slowly kind of gaining on him. And then here come Tyler, you know, 20 Just, mile an hour quicker. Yeah. And here I was like, Just, boy, yep. wonder how many laps are left. I wish I, <laughs> I, wish, I, wish I could count. Yep. And, boy, and then the final yeah, pass he, he got end. him. Yep. And – Gene saw him on exit of four and come off twice as hard as he had yep. the whole ray. And I went over and told him that. I'm like, if you'd have ran it out of four every time, like you did that last lap, he wouldn't have been anywhere near you. And he, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Hindsight. So it was nice of me to rub some salt in his right. wound. You know? But still, you know, second's fine. I, it is. It's, you know what? <laughs> no, You've it's raced not. enough. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> hey, wrenching all the times that I was ever helping out in the pits – the bottom line was most of the times with the luck that we had, if we could roll it back on the trailer, it was still a good night. Mm. So it was, it, I've yeah. never, I, I wish I could have been there for uh, Boston's win last week, but I had other stuff that came up and I couldn't make it out. It says similar deal. Yeah. You know, he just, mm-hmm. 
he rolled right where he rolled and yep. found his way. It was quick. Yep. Cole Wayman picks up the win last night at Eagle in the Modifieds. Ran fourth, I yeah, think, in the sprints strong. as well. Yeah. Uh, Cole's a guy that is really coming on. Like he's. It's tough to drive two different kinds of cars, especially same night and same track. And uh, Cole's a guy that's had some success on both sides, yeah. modifieds and sprints. Uh, Josh Pfeiffer wins the Sport Mod feature at Eagle last night. Dylan Richards picks up the stock car win. And Roy Armstrong, man, Roy has been driving at Eagle um, in anything and everything. I go back to the Thunder Trucks back yeah. in the late 90s. Yeah. He was out there winning features. But Roy picks up the win in the stock cars last night. Beatrice. I, the uh, point champion in every class of Beatrice is Mother Nature this year. Uh, they've just had horrible uh, luck. Malvern, Malvern Bank 360 Series, uh, they were part of the 360 show at Nashville last night for the 360 shootout, and as we mentioned, Chase Randall picks up the win. They're off until the 19th of August when they'll race out at Junction Motor Speedway in McCool Junction. That'll wrap up Victory Lane. Big thanks again to Eagle Chassis and Mike Boston for sponsoring the Victory Lane segment. Um, talking about... The track at Eldora last night, I want to get into a little bit more of it. Um, you know, when you go through and you watch the highlights, you watch it live, you watch the highlights, mm-hmm. I watch the highlights today. The thing that stood out is when sprint cars go through the corner, the last thing that they want to do is look like they are an eight-year-old that has just finished a bomb pop and they're sitting on the porch swing, rocking back and forth as fast as they can side to side. And almost every car is just bouncing left to right, left to right, left to right. The rain had a ton to do with that. Mm-hmm. That track also, all of the cars that got upside down in the feature, it was all because of the track. It yeah. wasn't mm-hmm. contact anywhere or yeah. whatever. There was a lot of grip. And yeah. there, and that's and, what happens. And it was rough. Um, from a driver's perspective, what is that like, Doug, when, when it's that rough of a track? 15 years ago, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, hmm. It depends. There's two kinds of rough. There's the rough where the car gets a little upset, and if it's decent and you got enough shock control in the rear, you know, it doesn't really get on your radar that much. It's just part of getting around the corner. And then there's when it's bad, and you're, you know, at Eagle Turn 1, there's nights where you, there's one lane you can get through it, and I don't ever remember to do it right twice, but you pay for it. You know, and actually even in hot laps last night, I hit, there was a, there was a pretty good buck into turn one on the bottom and I blasted down there and I was a little too sideways when I got it. Hey, I picked the whole car off the ground and hot laps. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you know, that's just, that's the way it's part of, it's, it's part of the racing. You know, it's just every, same track for everyone. So do you all do anything with tires and dirt track? You know, when you're on asphalt, you're always dealing with tires, right? Oh, if yeah. It's going to be raining or it's hot. Well, you only so... get stagger choices. Yep. Same, you know, it's the same compounds. Yep. But, uh, but you don't swat, you don't switch them up depending on what condition the track is in that mm, night. Wait, no, you might well, run a little more stagger so mm-hmm. to keep some weight, you know, weight off. Yep. Through a, if you yeah. want to go back to the the late seventies when the world of outlaws started in the eighties, nineties, and and through not that long ago, they had softer and harder compounds mm-hmm. that you could trade mm-hmm. out. Tires weren't three hundred seventy five dollars a piece then, yeah. <laughs> or four hundred twenty five dollars a piece then either. But you would have guys, and guys like Carl Kinzer and Ricky Warner, they're probably the two best crew chiefs in the history of, of sprint car racing. Those guys would figure out how to put a setup on a car, whether with, with, with shocks and with uh, the torsion bars and just where they would adjust things. But it would always be tires, not necessarily pressure. It would be the compound and the mix of the stagger that they would put on it. And the other thing that comes into play from a sprint car standpoint, 
um, and, and Doug, as you know, is the, the, the distance that right rear and on occasion the left rear is away from the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a dry slick racetrack and your right rear tire is a little bit too far out. Uh, you're going to get dizzy. Uh, yeah, you're going yeah, to get a hold of nothing. <laughs> you're going to get a- and, and likewise, if it's rough and the right rear's, you know, you're into 16 and a half, 16 inches, yep. you'll know it because yeah. you're going to pick the whole car up on it. And that may be fun to watch from the stands, but not necessarily yeah, from Not the so seat. much in the car, but like the tire compound thing, I think that kind of went away to slow the cars down a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, bottom line. And, and it just wasn't necessary. The guy, you know, back then, the shock technology wasn't anywhere or what it is now. I mean, now. There's so much control, like to the left rear, that you can make about anything. You know, if they let you run those soft, soft, soft tires, I mean, they literally you could run right through the center wide open in about anything without being that good at it. You know, and so it just isn't, and it isn't necessary. I don't think. I, w- I wish they were harder. I wish the tires were even harder than what we have. Really? Yeah, because it makes more of a driver. You know. It's just a safety thing at this point, or yeah. No, it's no, just what they've chose. What they've you know, chosen. it's okay. yeah. To me, the harder it takes a little bit of the motor out of it because that tire's not gonna, you know, hook up as good as a softer tire. Is how fast are you going around then turn one at Eagle? I don't know. Um, Sixty. Probably ninety. Ninety. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they'll they'll hit about in the three hundred fives probably a hundred hundred and two. Maybe on entry. yeah, on, on entry into one. Um, when we've got when well now when the high limit series is there. They're averaging about 108 miles an hour, 106 to 108 miles an hour for the whole time around. They're probably at 114 to 118. That's what I would guess. On entry into yeah. one. Uh, we, we did have the troopers come out. When Cormac bought Eagle Raceway, um, and I believe your first year was 97, was it yes. not? That first year that Craig owned the track. Mm-hmm. As rookie of the year. Yeah, you were. It was amazing. And uh, I, I, I don't know how that happened. Well, and the best part, and because now that you're here, I want to I have you tell the story. Oh, no. Because back in 97, you come out and obviously Rick Schwiger and myself reinvented kind of how people announced it a dirt track. We weren't, we did not have a mason jar of moonshine. Or a cowbell. Nor a cowbell. We did have a like 80,000 watt sound system Mm -hmm. and the okay to play some rock music as long as it wasn't too rock (laughs) music-y. Me being at the Blaze at the time, yeah, they're like, say. anything you guys play on your radio station, Mike, you cannot play here. And I was like, all right, fine. But one of the other things is we invented and started really getting the crowd into it. And we we had the orange cone that we put out in the front stretch, and Steve Janicek became cone guy. The cone guy, sure. And Doug Lovegrove drove the 44, and he painted it to look like a cow. And Kemp's, I believe, was the sponsor behind that. Uh, at the that. beginning, it was Gillette Nebraska Dairies. Okay. And so we were in the grocery bit. My brother and I were in the grocery business and we got to know the guy that owned it. He was from Norfolk and he was crazy. I mean, he's since <laughs> passed away, but he, he was a fun guy, you know, he and, and he had done really well. And I thought, what am I going to do? You know, I, I only raced for a year and a half in a dwarf car. I'm like, this is not going to go good. So I'm like, well, let's make it something, do something stupid, you know, I'm like paint it like a cow. And we took it up and put it in his parking stall and, and he didn't know anything about it, you know, and, and he he was all about it. And he wanted yep. shirts and the whole thing. We and, and it it was only like five or six weeks in, and there are little kids that are running around in, in like Halloween costumes that are cows. Mm-hmm. I love it. And and it was, but that was just kind of part of the growth of that track. And to, to bottom line, man, it was like, yeah, hey, everybody come out and get dirty and whatever and drink some beer, but man, have some fun. Yes. 
And that's what it, it truly became all about. And then um, it may have been the last weekend or maybe even the Nebraska Cup. It was the Nebraska Cup, and I know where you're going with this. <laughs> so I alluded to this when I had when I had your, uh, your, your good friend Dana Deakey on. And you went down the backstretch, and I don't know if somebody punted you. Um, I think yeah, somebody I cl- did. I climbed the backstretch wall and flipped down, you know, the grass above the wall. Yep. I flipped down that. And that was the first time I had tumbled in a car. And it was pretty good, and I never lifted all the way down that wall. Wow! So I was trying to blow it up, and I was. <laughs> I had built my own three C. I built my uh, own engine. Okay. Yep. And it, yeah, we got you know rookie of the year, but we had so much problems with it. You know, trying to get it to, and I, I there was another night that the the temperature gauge was buried, and I didn't pull out. We just kept running it, and it would not blow up. Well, and you built the motor, which yeah. should say something about your skills with building exactly. a motor, man. Yeah, we've come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> well, your first year is experimental all yeah. around, right? You're yeah. just trying I mean, whatever we, you can. I built some streetcar motors, you know, some hot rod motors and, and that, but this was uh, on a different level. But, well, you know, back then it wasn't like it is, you know, everybody didn't have a $60,000 360 to run. There was, there was quite a few guys that were building their own. Or, you know, the guys with resources would have, you know, Larson – or house uh, uh, local guys. Yeah, there was three or four local uh, guys that were building motors. That you know, that's what they would run. And I, I tried to, blow, and it didn't blow up. <laughs> the tack, the tack stop. You know, it goes right. to ten thousand. It was ten thousand. Holy smokes! And I remember when I landed, blow. the the safety crew used to have a uh, an elder. I call her elder. She was an older lady, like gray haired lady. And when I landed, and she come, she was always the guy or always the person that they sent to the car to check to see if the driver was okay, for whatever reason. Wow. And you know, because I suppose if you're mad or if you're knock stupid or, and I remember she said, "Do you know where you are?" And I looked, and I'm like, "I think I'm in heaven." <laughs> <laughs> and so after that, I thought, you know, I don't know that that was the smartest thing to say because now does she think that I'm injured or? And I was just messing with her. <laughs> I was frustrated. I just wrecked my car. I didn't blow the motor. That was the plan. And, yeah, that was my first experience with dumping a car. Fun, fun. That's Doug Lovegrove. We're going to get more stories from him, talk more about racing, and uh, who knows what else. Austin Norman behind the board. I'm Mike Melby. That's Rebecca Pearson. Back with more on the finish line right here on 93. The 7, the ticket after this. Back to the finish line with Mike Melby on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to the finish line here on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. If you are watching on the stream, it is the Sarder Heyman live stream. You can watch all of our live broadcasts in studio live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Also, Allo Channel 951, and if you want to be a part of the show, you can call or text the Honda of Lincoln Hotline or Sarder Heyman text line at 402-464-5685. I'm Mike Melby. In studio with me, as always, Rebecca Pearson, Austin Norman driving the car tonight, and our special co-host all hour long, Doug Lovegrove, former Eagle Raceway track champion and uh, a guy that I've known for, let's see, I'm 55. I moved into that house when I was seven, so I've known you for 48 years. Scary. 
Wow. It is, yeah. yeah. Can you believe that we grew up across the street from each That's other? That's crazy. Yeah. But isn't that fun? That's cool, too. Oh, it, it is. is cool. Okay, we need Melby stories when uh, when we are off air. Oh, here, yeah. So, yeah. I've got one of, I got a few. One of, the, <laughs> one of the best, most fun things that we did when we were kids is when it would snow, and it was like a lot of snow, and we were too young to scoop, um, or maybe we'd help with like a little shovel. The little bits of like, what it like, it's like... 20 square feet of yard between driveways mm-hmm. right. and the snow would pile up mm-hmm. and Bellstorfs and Love Groves had the perfect, like both big driveways and your dad. And our, yeah. Bob and my dad Bob would blow all the snow all onto into that. The, right. And make this giant wall thing. And, yeah. <laughs> well, then it turned into a into giant a fort. fort. Of yes. course. Absolutely. Just, just ginormous. The only way to go. Ig- oh. The igloo. I'm a yep. fort gal. Oh, many forts in my house. Oh, we had so much. Oh, we did. We yeah. did. Definitely forts we had a outside. Great time. Inside. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. How oh, long yeah. did the fort, and the fort would last like way oh, beyond yeah. the snow was melted, It would turn, right? turn to ice last forever. Right. That's cool. I love that. Oh, yeah. I bet there's a picture somewhere of the two of you. Yeah, our street was terrible for backyard football, though. Because Brad and Darren Whirl, yeah, I mean they were all they were like very very good football players. Yeah, Brad was six Brad was th- shaving at like nine. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Brad Brad was six three two twenty five as a freshman. Yeah, yeah, and he was the fullback on the football Destin. team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lived across the street. Didn't didn't Darren break the Shrine Bowl rushing record at yeah. one point? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, they just beat on us. It oh, was yeah. terrible. Yeah, backyard football. We uh, When Renickies lived there, Julie Renickie would yes. try to be the coach of the team. And, oh, look uh, at you now. You're co-hosting the finish line. Yes, they exactly. got nothing on look you. Look where we've come. Yeah, exactly. they got nothing on you. Yeah, I wish I would. <laughs> I'm six, you know, six two two twenty now, but then I was like five seven nothing. What? It was. Uh. <laughs> I was 27 before I had shoulders. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, it was so, like, in high school, I was five foot nine five foot ten and i weighed like 108 pounds as a senior i just this diminutive little person yeah but i went to my 10-year reunion and all the all the guys i looked up to i was taller than all of them <laughs> <laughs> like, i bloomed at like 22 yeah. i didn't understand it no explanation know. right yeah. you know I, yeah, mother nature know. or something no, yeah so <laughs> before we went to break we were talking about uh 97 and and you, you win rookie of the year and you tried to blow up your motor in one of the that, that was a bad accident when you said right at the end of it, you said, you know, and then the, after the la- the fourth over end over end flip, I fell off the wall and back onto the track, and I I kind it like brought back the memory of it, and I remember watching it, and, mm-hmm. I, and I was like, it landed on its wheels, well, yeah, 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 the frame. And I was like, damn, I hope he's okay, and you know, we get word over, and then um, races are over, and John Hart, uh, rest in peace, John, one of the greatest oh, yeah. people ever. Yes, John comes like he finds me right after the race very quickly and he goes i have to ask you something you know doug pretty well right and i'm like well yeah i've I've known him for a long time and he goes can you is is he does he have a problem does he have a like does he have a screw loose and i'm like what do you talk about and he goes that's a tough question to answer with it really was regarding me but but he goes (laughs) i'm like what are you talking about he goes i'm standing where his car landed essentially and the whole time his car is flipping like, it sounded like his motor was, like, at 10,000 RPM. Mm, it was, yeah. And so I, I, I'm oh, like, I, I, foot, I don't know. Foot on the gas while you're going through the air? Yeah, and so I go over, and I just, you know, chatting with Doug a little bit, and he told me what was going on, and I meandered back over to John as we were both having a beer, and I said, yeah, he's trying to blow up the motor. And he's just like, what? Yeah, it was so frustrating that I thought, if I blow it up, I'll either have to do something else, or I'll have to take you know some time right. off to come out here with something that right. runs better. 
It wasn't yeah. meant to be. It's kind of a backwards <laughs> way of thinking about it, but I, I work yeah. like that. You know, it worked. So you're one of the few guys. I know there's got to be more than a handful, but I don't think there's a whole lot. You have a rookie of the year. You have a point champion trophy. You have a second place and a third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth and a ninth and a tenth. I think I have all the way to 16th. Okay. Wow. I, there's not a lot of guys. And I, I mean, I get it. Guys that have raced out there for many, many years. There's probably some. But what was it like the first time you got a top ten trophy? Actually, it was pretty cool. I mean – I'm a win it or where, you know, if I don't win, I pout kind of guy, you know. <laughs> so I walk up to pick up the second place trophy and I'm like, you know, I left it on the table. So <laughs> I don't, my, my makeup of who I am as a person is I'm always looking forward. And my, my cousin Aaron helped me for years and years, a very smart kid. And he's one of those, I think there's, there's a name for what he has, but he can name any day. Like, any day of his life, he can tell you what happened on it. I mean, it's freakish. He's the anti-me because I can't tell you. I mean, I, he would name a year, and I couldn't even tell you what color the car was, much less where we ran or what, how I ran or what we did. And he was, he was quite useful because he could never forget a setup. To this day, I can text him and go, hey, when we ran this track at this, you know, what gear, he can tell me exactly what gear was in it. He can tell me every single thing that the car was it's like football players who remember though right i mean they remember the play in some game and they played 10 15 20 years mm -hmm. and they remember exactly where people i am were. not like, that guy yep there are people about like an, that yeah when i went to race about an eighth of a second after i crossed the finish line i'm already like okay how could i have done that better yeah you know how am i going to win next week yeah, that's interesting almost to the point it's you know it's not i try i'm trying to work on that because i want to enjoy the win you know yeah. enjoy that you got some success for the the wind blew your direction once and i struggle with that well, and, and speaking of the wind blowing somebody's direction, um, again, a little bit shocking. Donnie Schatz is the, the 40th Kings Royal winner. Um, but it also is, is something that you kind of embrace. It was stunning that he was a guy that won Knoxville last year. Mm -hmm. is and it, I, it wouldn't shock me if he won it again no, this year. I think well, he's on so, a roll, right? So yeah. from the, and the thing is, this it's week, off a high. Mm -hmm. he, may, he may not finish top ten. Yeah. Right. It, on Friday and Saturday night. But when it mm -hmm. comes to the bigger races, for you as a driver, when you are racing in bigger races, whether it was the, the, the Lawrence Ideas, the Nebraska Cup, uh, some 360 show that paid a little bit more, whatever the case may have been, was there anything you did different? Did you have a different mindset? Did you race hard? What was it like? How do you – is there a switch that you can flip because it is simply that much more important? No. Not, not for me. And, you know, it, it takes me this last week when they were interviewing drivers about racing for a million dollars. I don't think it matters. The only thing, I think it was Lance DeWeese they were actually interviewing, and he said it pretty good. I think the only time that that factors in is on the last lap and you're in second place, you'll do something dirty. Mm -hmm. And I think most guys would. For a million bucks, eh. <laughs> exactly. I'll dump your car and buy, <laughs> I'll buy you another one. What do I got to lose? I'll pay your hospital <laughs> bill and buy you another one. <laughs> Well, and I, I want to ask your thoughts because you know as well as more than anybody in this room, but as well as anybody that races at Eagle or that's raced for a living, especially a sprint car, how expensive they are. And we've heard reports in the last six, eight months from varying sources about the cost to actually drop the trailer for some teams that run World of Outlaws. It's $10,000 just to drop 
the door of the trailer and roll the car out into the pits. When you do that, you have just written a check for $10,000. Mm-hmm. It costs 900000 to a million a year. And some of the guys that have got the money to throw spent $1.3 million a year to run a full World of Outlaw Series tour. Crazy. Logan Shuhart and Jacob Allen, uh, two guys that are part of Shark Racing, Scruffy's crew. Uh, they're both grandchildren of, of Bobby, right? Mm. Or is Jacob's his son? Jacob is his grandson, I think. And Shuhart is like, it's something weird. It's like Jacob Shuhart is Jacob's uncle. It's something weird. They're okay. almost the same age, but yeah. they're not of the same generation, I don't think. I could be wrong, but somebody explained it to me once, and yeah, like what... I covered earlier, I don't spend a lot of time <laughs> thinking about what I already what I already thought about. So, but they, when, when uh, Justin Fielder, who does Dirt Tracker uh, daily, had talked about the costs, one of the comments that he got in the, the comment section below was from Logan Shuhart. And he said, just so you know, it costs us right at about $320,000 a year because we have to do things differently. We don't have that kind of sponsorship dollars. Mm-hmm. We don't have that kind of money in our mm-hmm. back pocket. When they came on tour uh, back in 2014, I believe, Shuhart and Allen, and they tried to run the series full time, they did not get hotel rooms a lot of the time. They mm-hmm. slept on the floor of the trailer. Yeah. I He's- watched an interview. Talk, they went back and forth between them talking about that. and. They were basically like, well, Grandpa feeds us. Yeah. And that's about it. Which is so fascinating to me. So my prior life, I was sponsorship queen at ExxonMobil. That's how I know Tony Stewart and Lewis Hamilton, all these folks. Um, And it is curious to me, Dirt Track doesn't seem to attract sponsorships and purses the way, you know, some of the other um, series do. Even when you're talking World of Outlaws, right? You've Mm -hmm. got the same quality of racers as you have in a NASCAR or... Formula One or anything else, right? These people are just as good, but it just doesn't attract the money. I don't know why. It, it's I'm a marketing person, so I'm curious as to why that is. I would assume exposure. You know, it's not right, on, but why it's not on regular television, on right? A, on which a means Sunday the afternoon. audience isn't there, right? One thing yeah. begets another, but you have to ask yourself why not? Why why is there no audience for that? It's one of the mm-hmm. oldest. It is the oldest, right? Way of racing in the country mm-hmm. because you didn't need to have a paved track. You could literally race almost anywhere. So I'm, I'm fascinated by why it didn't attract the audience. Doesn't attract sponsorship dollars coming from the background that I have, you know, and going to the races, which is what I love seeing why, you know, with great fans, we talked about, it's very accessible. It's a family community oriented, right? You like that camaraderie. It's all the same stuff. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've been around for a while, your perspective of no, no audience, why don't people want to watch that? I don't understand it because I, I struggle to stay awake through an entire NASCAR race. (laughs) I mean, the, the, the activity level, you know, just the excitement, Short bursts, you know, it's right, right. It's six, over six or eight yeah. minutes of crazy, 15, you know, 15, and then, 20 laps is a long yes, race. And yep. they mm-hmm. wheel out another heat race and right. it all goes nuts the next again. One goes again. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, it, a lot of it's got to be exposure. Yep. People just aren't, haven't seen it. Well, some, yeah, you haven't had a good marketing machine behind it, like an ask, yes, like, yeah. like WWE, you know, and that's why to that, me, yeah. guys like Kyle Larson are magical for the sport, right? Yeah. Right. You know, and Tony Stewart. And Tony was. Stewart, absolutely, yes. yeah. I had lots Guys of conversations that cross with him. Over, yep. You know, and and Kyle going back and forth and just dominating everywhere. Right. I mean, it's just that that kid's amazing. Well, it it may be, it may do. You know, there's uh, plenty of time going forward to make it popular. Well, and this subject was kind of broached on a, a post on Facebook that I saw, and one of the people that jumped in, and I b- remember telling the story on the air a few weeks ago about we had during one of our Eagle Nationals years, I believe it was 2000 or 2001. 
we had the SCRA wingless 410 sprint cars in Southern California Racing Association. We had it, it was a field like 32 cars. It was nice, and we but mm-hmm. we ran it, that on Thursday. And actually, that was the year we ran that show on Wednesday, and we ran a three day outlaw show. But the SCRA guys come in, and the guy that was doing videos on the roof above where Rick and I were announcing from, and Mike Boston and Terry Holloman did what they did on a weekly basis. They slid each other. They bounced off the wall. Jeff Griffiths bounced off the wall. <laughs> Terry Ledger bounced it off the wall. They banged wheels a few times. Everybody did everything. Doug, you and Ron Love were down running the bottom, and you're sliding, guys. And it, I mean, it's just this normal week for us. Mm-hmm. Nothing spectacular at all. Like, it wasn't, it was a good race, but it was not one of our top 10 of that year. The dude from the SCRA literally jumped off the roof onto the deck, losing his mind thinking we staged it. <laughs> and he he posted on a feed as that if. I saw. Yeah, as if. But he posted, he goes, there's nothing like the old school 360s at Eagle. I was at a show back in 2001. Whatever, with, I was videoing for the SCRA, and I watched Terry Holloman do this. And I'm like, that's the dude I was talking about. Mm-hmm. But that's the weekly show out there. And as expensive it is, as it is, like – there, you just sit there at times and you're like, how? Yeah, I don't and, know. and why aren't more people watching this? So, so tell me about the tracks a little bit, because this is some of what makes it fun, right? You have you tend to have more accidents, which people like. I mean, even last night, right? You know, as long as people aren't hurt, I'm going to say people like it, right? And people don't like people getting injured. But um, what is it? So a certain race won't necessarily jazz you more than a different race, but I bet certain tracks are more fun to run. Or what, what is it about it makes a, a track more fun than the next one that you go to or more interesting or more challenging? For me, it's just which tracks just suited my style of driving. Or, or, which is what? Or maybe, <laughs> so, maybe something is – I'm more of a – well, I had a bad crash in 2006. And from that point on, I became more of a chess player than a cowboy. Mm-hmm. And so I like ones that are more technical, that, you right. know, that maybe they slick off, they'll blow off. And you got to figure out how to get there first instead of just – you know, the cowboy deal and bucking through the cushion and, you know, cause like the three Oh five thing, the motor just doesn't have the power band to make it quite as a flashy of a show. In my opinion, you know, that Mike Boston's the perfect example of that in the three sixties. He just killed everybody. Yeah. I mean, that, that old saying, you know, that Mike, Mike Boston is not afraid of the wall. The wall's afraid of Mike Boston. <laughs> and it was the truth. Yeah. But that, that power band of that motor made it to where he could do that. Well, it's so narrow in the 305s now, it doesn't work as well. So when he has a good night, it's because his car is free enough that he can get around the top better than guys can get through the slick or you know drag race the bottom. So what makes one more technical than the other? Because we've had this conversation on asphalt. I prefer a technical road course type track. Same, same kind of thing. Technical to so me on it? a dirt track is when you know it's it burns off and there's really you you have to find the quick way to the get around way. like like quick like last way. night perfect example of a guy executing the technical track that it ended up being was Drukey. If, if you watched his line he would roll into turn three mm-hmm. and he would come down off right and you know he would exit the bottom right and that was so much faster than how anybody else was doing it yeah and to me that's the fun of it mm-hmm. it's not it's you know, always to me the fun, right? Finding dive, the fastest line. You know, dive bombing guys with your eyes closed and hoping it works. <laughs> right. Getting and the fastest line around the track is Yeah, fun. and yeah. I've done my share of that and yep. you know, but <laughs> I you yeah, I got old enough now you don't heal as quick and I, Well, but, I have gray hair. I could have been the one running out to the car, so when you said that <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, hey, wait a minute. I've got gray hair. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's, I get a job at Eagle. That's Doug Lugbrove, <laughs> Rebecca Pearson on my right. I'm Mike Melby. Austin Norman driving the car. We're going to step aside for a quick break. Come back with more on the finish line on 93.7 The Ticket right after this. Back to the finish line with Mike Melby on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. And welcome back to the finish line on 93.7 The Ticket, TicketFM.com. I'm Mike Melby, Austin Norman, driving the car. Rebecca Pearson, as always, and co-host for the week, Doug Lovegrove. Doug, we've talked about all kinds of stuff. I want to get in before we have to wrap it up and throw it over to the Get Your Happy On Hour with Ricky Simmons. Uh, Jesse Foster going to be his guest tonight. Um, You also play drums for Swap Meet Sally. And I remember when, you know, we grew up across the street from each other, and I want to say I didn't know that you had taken guitar lessons or whatever and that you were kind of getting into it. And then one day we were out kind of talking about music and Van Halen, and you go, hey, come here. (laughs) And we walk in, and we go into his house, and he lays the guitar down on his lap, and he turns on his amp, and he does eruption. And, like, it is spot on. And I'm like... I can't say what I said, but I'm like, what in the world? Like, dude, that? like you had no, you're going to be a rock star. Oh, no, I, I'm weird. I just, when I find something that intrigues me, you know, I just, I go at it a thousand miles an hour and I can't stop. Until so you've mastered it. I, well, or the best I can do. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. How did you switch then from, from drums to, to, or from guitar to go to just start playing drums? Cause well, I the drums Joe, Joe. I started in fifth, in fifth grade in okay. school. Well, I didn't so know I, you were playing those. Okay. Yeah, so I played drums all through school and all that and did the drum camps at UNL and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, you know, got to you know, want to try to get girls' attention. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so we started playing, and that's where Dana Deakey was on not yep. too long ago. And we became good friends, and we started kind of messing around playing music together because he, he was fiddling around playing guitar and obviously was a drummer and i got to the point with drums that it wasn't you know it, it's it's okay but after you sit in the basement and play drums to the radio <laughs> enough times it kind of you know there's only so many variations of that sort of thing so i got a guitar and and just started teaching myself how to play it and figured it out and not that good and i haven't played for a while I know a lot of Van Halen songs. <laughs> Love Van Halen. <laughs> Love well, yeah, Van and you Halen. and you and Dana then formed the band. It was Fifth Estate. Was, Fifth Estate, yeah. yeah with uh, yeah, Joe Yelkin was still yeah, doing, playing and guitar. He, he's still he, with Swap Meet yeah, Sally. Yeah, he's in Swap Meet Sally. And uh, then Steve Bolmeyer, who. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's played bass. Yeah, him and Julie. Because I was working yeah, at the Blaze. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he married. Yeah, Julie I'm with from... the Blaze as Iron Mike, and Julie is Julie Fox. Julie and, Fox. And that's Julie's right. married to Steve Bolmeyer, who was the bass player for. Yeah. We should just start singing It's a Small World pretty soon. Oh, I know. Well, I could do that. I've been to Disney a few times, so I could <laughs> break out. That and Running with the Devil, Van Halen. Yes, One of my faves. Go. Yeah, absolutely. Where does Swap Meet Sally play? Oh, gosh. We're at Cappy's this Friday. Uh-huh. Um, gosh, we play anywhere that'll have us. We okay. play all the venues that have bands. I haven't been we, to Cappy's yet. We, might be a reason to go. We, yeah. we, we got hired to play a, a company party for a construction company in a little town in southern central southern Iowa two weeks ago and it was an experience this guy (laughs) (laughs) we told him the songs we play you know and we we have songs with swearing in it or whatever you know songs not appropriate for children and so we'll ask it's like do you want the PG version or do you want he's oh no I these are all construction workers you know it's going to be a crazy party 
I'll have to show you the pictures, but <laughs> we ended up and we Hangover. get there and they had li- little people wrestling. Oh my! I, it's midget wrestling. That's yeah. what the, they called it. That so I think it's PC for me to refer to it okay. as that. But and they had that, and then we would play in between that, and it ended up. That, I'm sorry. I have a visual. Oh, oh yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe the things I've seen. I need therapy, really, like really bad. And we ended up playing for two Amish families, and you could tell which you know there maybe it. ten kids, and they had matching colored shirts, like button up shirts, and it was interesting. I love it. The credentials for where you can play are yes, quite that's broad. How, I, you know, my life involves series of moments where you know you've made it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that is clearly that one is of them. Clearly, a one milestone. Of them. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, all of this practicing has finally okay. come. All our listeners it's need all to come, come to here fruition for me. Yes, yes. come here. Uh, swap meet. Yeah, swap meet Sally, Sally at Cappy's. Yeah, at Cappy's. And you can this meet Friday, the then, famous Doug. Uh, we'll be back to out to Eagle on Saturday. Yeah. Like, a little work nice. to do. This and you week. race in between playing. Yeah, that's interesting. Career okay, now choice. now Love Grove Homes. You guys started building houses a few years ago. I, just out of curiosity. I'm not going to extend the invitation, but I do want to mention that 93.7 The Ticket has the Leba Business Hour. Mm -hmm. And with your background in business and all of the businesses, I mean, you started with a sports memorabilia uh, store at East Park. Motorsports Unlimited. We had one of those in Lincoln and Omaha. And we did our first grocery store was Waverly. Yeah. Okay. And then we had one in Hickman, the Jack and Jill. And then we had uh, Food Pride in Nebraska City. And we had uh, the York was a love, the first Love Groves. And then we ended up changing Waverly to Love Groves and then sold out to the Russes. Russes oh, the Russes Markets? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Have you Great. ever worked for anyone? Because as long as I can remember, you, like, literally out of high school, I walk into this really cool, like, collectible shop and you're standing behind the counter and you're like, <laughs> I was like, oh, you work here? And you go, Did what? we cover that I'm weird? No, like, no, I own it. And I'm like, no, you, nobody you, ever what? told me. No, I, I don't know if my parents, but nobody ever told me that I can't do anything. I'd, I would try you. brain surgery if I thought I could, you know, if I wasn't worried about killing the person. I think you know, it's I mean, great. I, we worked, I worked for Jim Schroeder at the store in Waverly when I was young and then bought it from him. But, but you're a testament to the American dream. I think it's fantastic. You yeah. can race, you can play in a band, you can run bi- own businesses, you can sell businesses. I mean, I, I think I think story. the one thing my parents beat into my head, no matter what it was, was if you're not doing something that you want to do, it's because you don't want to. Yeah. And if you truly want to, then go do it. And even like you've known me forever. Yep. I wouldn't say that I'm the thrill seeker kind of dude. You know, I'm not, you know, I drive like a grandpa in my truck. I'm not on the edge of my seat and you would never know it in a race car. You know what I mean? I, that's, I'm proud of myself that I was able to achieve things with racing because that's not, and Dana's the same way. Me and Dana are so very similar in a lot of ways in that he's very cerebral. You know, he, I want my car to do the work so I don't have to, you know, I want to figure out every aspect of how this thing goes so that I don't have to fight it and I can do well. And if I can't do well, most people would be like, I'm not going to, no, if I can't do it, I'll keep doing it for 27 years until I figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I remember when uh, I ran into you at Menards probably two or three years ago. Uh, actually, maybe it was four because I think it was before COVID. And it was March. And I was just like, you going to race again this year? You know, because it's just kind of one of those like you'd won the track title like the year, a couple of years before that. And like you've kind of accomplished everything. And you're like, why the hell wouldn't I? Yeah, like, I don't. No, that's just like the drums is the same way. You know, I practice so long to get to a certain point that 
nothing's. I mean, I can probably play most anything I hear. I hear I've heard. I mean, I'm not the best, but I, you know, I can pull it off pretty well. Why quit now? You know, I'm not falling apart. The guys I play with are awesome. You know, the racing thing. There's so many good people. What do we sit at home? You know. Yeah. And the sad thing is we actually have to quit now. We do. Uh, we're up against the clock. Jesse Foster is going to be on. Get your happy on with Ricky Simmons next on 93.7 The Ticket. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, thank you.